0: Open our Bible to Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes... Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Then, verses 10, 11, and 12, he deals with the persecuted. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. And the reason they do this, he said, is for my sake. And when they do this, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We thank you for the desire to be here. And we pray that by your spirit and grace that you'd be pleased to open our understandings, open our hearts, open our minds, and give us a word to say. Help us to worship you, because without your help, we we just were so full of sin and unbelief. And we pray you'd forgive us, focus our attention upon you, not ourselves. We pray for those who are not here this morning, those who are uh, sick and afflicted. We pray that your will be done and you'd be merciful unto them and restore them to health if it be thy will. We beg this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Maybe I thought about it, doing each one of these Beatitudes by themselves, but I didn't. And I think we've got down through the first four. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who God has brought to the place that they see their poverty. And then they mourn. We mourn. We, the children of God, we that have been regenerated, we do mourn over our sin. It's not something that we have done in the past. It's something we do even right now. Blessed are, they, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and all God's children are meek. Our Lord said, I am meek and lowly. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. He said Moses was the meekest man, and Moses was just an example. But his people are. This is the characteristics of his children. This is not describing how men are saved. This is describing those who are saved, those who have been delivered. They never move beyond this. Then the blessed are they which do hunger, do hunger and thirst after righteousness every day. Don't let us be found in our own righteousness, that we'd be found in his righteousness. Job said, how can a man be just with God? How can a man be righteous in God's sight, only in Christ? And we hunger and thirst. But you know why? Because we know we have no righteousness of our own. Our righteousnesses are as filthy, unclean rags. But here in verse 7, we may have touched on this just a little bit, but I want to go back just for a few minutes. Blessed are. Let me find my first. Verse 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Let me just read to you what Mr. Pink said. He said, in a sense, all of the first four that we've already looked at are in the negative. For it is the believer's perception of what is defective in himself and a yearning for what is desirable. And I think that's a pretty good thought. It is that we perceive our sin. We perceive it. And a desire, a yearning, a yearning. Paul said, I've not yet arrived. And this man's been saved probably twenty some years. I've not yet arrived, and none of us have. But one day we will make be conformed to his image. And he said the last four we come to the manifestation of positive good in the believer. He said it's the fruit of a new creation and a blessing that transformed and changed a person's character. They show mercy. They give mercy. Why? Because we have God has showed us mercy. Mercy. To be kind and, and gentle. Abraham showed mercy to Lot. Joseph was merciful to his brothers. David was merciful to Saul. And he is merciful to the poor. And he's merciful to those around him. Those who don't know God, those who, this whole sermon I think is our Lord's laying out what real righteousness is. What true trusting in Christ is. The Pharisees showed no mercy to anyone. He said, he said you devour, you don't even show mercy to widows. You devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And if God's going to save sinners, it will be that God works through individuals going to those people and telling those people how that they can be fine or they can find mercy. In Christ. There's no other way. There has to be the mercy seat. Atonement has to be made. Mercy. His mercy endures forever. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They shall, they didn't say they might, they shall obtain mercy. Do you still need mercy? Well, sure we do. Will you need mercy tomorrow? Well you know you will also. Mercy. They shall obtain. Obtain it's not that you work for it. And this is how this is how Paul spoke. We may have looked at it last week, but if you would turn back there to first Timothy one. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 12, Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Boy, God showed mercy to him. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, injurious but here it is, but I what obtained mercy. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Verse 16. Howbeit, for this cause, he says it again, I obtained mercy. That in me first... Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. God used Paul as an example of someone that had obtained mercy. Mercy. He had obtained mercy and he was a man that showed mercy. Mercy. Look down in verse. I mean, over just over one book in Second Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen. He said, "This thou knowest that all they that which are in Asia be turned away from me, from of whom are Philetus and Hermogenes." And the Lord give mercy unto the house. Of Anacyprus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Anacyprus showed mercy to Paul, but when he was in Rome, Anacyprus he sought me out very diligently, and found me. He didn't just he looked till he found Paul. You know what? It was mercy that God sent that man to Paul. You imagine sitting in a prison cell. And he said that uh, all men in Asia are turned away from me. He knew he needed a friend, somebody to show him mercy. And he said, the Lord granted unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And how many things he ministered unto, unto me at Ephesus. Not only here just in Rome, but in Ephesus. He said, you know very well. You could say the man of Onesiphorus was a man that showed mercy. I would say it doesn't say here, but I assume that he was probably converted under Paul's preaching. And now that Paul is in prison, he, the Lord sends this man and shows him mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Then in the same book, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he said, At my first answer, nobody stood with me. Where's those that stood with him before? No, Nobody's standing. It's a man standing there alone. But all men forsook me. How would you feel about that? You'd feel pretty bad. But you know what Paul said? I pray that it may not, that it may not be laid to their charge. You know what he's saying? Lord, show mercy. That's mercy. Mercy is not earned. Mercy is God giving you exactly what you don't deserve. Not giving you what you deserve. Matthew Henry said, The merciful shall find God sparing mercy, supplying mercy, sustaining mercy, whereby they shall have judgment without mercy who shows no mercy. I heard someone say years ago, <clears throat> It was Scott Richardson. I think it was one of his sons. He'd been caught by the law for doing something, and Scott went to the courthouse when they had his son's trial, and the judge was pretty hard on his son. And when he got done, I think he spoke to the one of the lawyers or something, and Scott said, "Is there, is there no mercy?" And that man looked at Scott and said, "He don't deserve mercy." And Scott said, "If he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy." But here Paul said, Let it not be laid to their charge. You remember what the rich man begged for in hell? He begged for mercy. Send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and come and cool my tongue. Show me mercy. He didn't show Lazarus any mercy. The judgment you judge, you shall be judged. The measure that you give out, you shall receive again. Matthew 7 2, even in this sermon. For with what judgment, what judgment? You shall be judged, and with what measure you mete it out, it's going to be measured to you again. You know what that is? That's the law. The law was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The penalty will fit the crime. Well, you, you, every one of us in here ought to be in hell. God shows us mercy. It's, it's just mercy that we're here. It's mercy that we're of a sound mind or somewhat sound mind. It's mercy that we have strength in our body. So why would why under God's heaven would we not want to show mercy? You know what? He'll teach us what mercy is. And we will want to show mercy. Now, we don't always do because we, we're sinners. We're poor in spirit and we mourn over it. But our desire is by God's grace and his spirit, it's to show mercy. You mean they wouldn't stand with you? And he, we, we said, Lord, don't lay it to their charge. But then the next one. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. The pure in heart are those whose hearts have been made pure in regeneration. And they are partakers of. Of a divine nature. He said a new heart will I give you. And you know that heart cannot sin. That heart is pure. Without spot. or That heart is. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. You know what it says in Psalms 24. Now we know who this is speaking of. Psalms 24 verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in God's holy place? Who can? Who can? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitful There's only one, and that's Christ. To stand in the presence of a holy God. Who does? The pure in heart. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Now, this does not mean, as some would think, sinlessness in this life. That's not what that says. Because you know why? We're poor in spirit, (laughs) we mourn over it. Many today are satisfied with just a head religion. They think that everything's well, and they think that you are pure in heart because their, their creed is just exactly right. Paul, before he was converted, believed in election. Paul believed in a lot of truths that were true, but it was just head knowledge. He didn't know him. He didn't know Christ. He didn't know the one who was pure in heart. He didn't know how a man is to obtain a pure heart. How can we that drink iniquity like water, how, how can a good thing come out of an unclean thing? It can't. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can the leopard his spot? Well, no. Well, how can you, us, who are accustomed to doing evil? Many are satisfied with a hand religion, just busy in what they term religious service. But the Lord, he looks beyond that. He looks to the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Can you, I can see him saying, well, who do, who's that talking about? Who is pure of heart? He's dealing with the inner man. Noah, you want to see, Noah was a man. Found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This man knew God. He was pure in heart, but he built a, a vineyard and got drunk. Moses disobeyed God. Job cursed the very day he was born. Elijah fled from the terror of Jezebel, and Peter denied our Lord. But here's what men think. They think that if they can just make themselves mourn and whip themselves over and pour in spirit mourn and all these things, well, then they can make their heart pure. (laughs) You ain't making that a wicked thing, pure. It's de- your heart is so deceitful above all things, and so desperately incurably wicked. Who can know it? We don't know it. People say, "Well, if I know my heart, you don't. You don't have the slightest idea what if God left you and what you're capable of doing." But He's laying out for these people, everybody, blessed are the pure in heart. You know one of the many evidences that a person has a pure heart? He still sees indwelling sin. Most people don't see it. They don't know what real righteousness is. They don't know what purity of heart is. And it's humbling just even to think about it, that God would give you A divine nature? God would give you a nature that that looks to him, that rests in him and trusts him and longs after his righteousness? And we we ask ourselves, are my motives pure? Why do I assemble with the Lord's people? Is it to be seen or men or is it to meet and enjoy the Lord and his people? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall do what? See God. And they're the only ones who do see God. You said, how are we going to see God? He said, Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Christ is invisible. No man has seen God and lived, but how are we going to see God? Gill said, they shall see God in this life enjoying communion with our Lord, both in public and in private, and in the several duties of religion, in the house and ordinance of God, when they often when we often behold his beauty, you see him. You see him by faith. You see his beauty. You know why? You know why he's precious to you? You've seen him. To see him is to know him. To see him is to see yourself. To see him is to see him that is pure in heart. We will see his power and his glory and we'll taste and know that he is good and gracious. And in the other other world, we shall see God without undimmed eyes. We shall see him as he is. We shall see him. We shall see him as glory and not be afraid, see him in his glory. Men, well, some men, not all men, those who are not pure in heart, they won't be glad to see him. They'll run to the rocks and cry for the mountains to fall. on. We don't want to see him. And apart from God's grace, you still don't want to see him. You don't have any desire to see him. Psalm 17 verse 50, as for me, I will behold his face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. He shall see God. You know, when we come to this book, those that are, Poor in spirit, those that mourn, those that are looking after, seeking after righteousness, those God, He has made meek, pure in heart, they come to this book. Why do they come to this book? To see God. To see God. Many times we come, we may not see Him. And we struggle. But what a blessing when you do. What a blessing when we come and gather together and we, by God's grace, can see God in all his glory and beauty and his mercy and grace. Spurgeon said, some people never see God for they are not looking for him. They're always looking like, you know, you've seen a nutshell. They're always looking to the shell. But all that shell is made for is to protect the goody on the inside. You crack the nut. You get out the good. You know what you do with that? You just throw it away. That's all they're interested in looking at. They're consumed with it. Some people can't see God because they're just consumed with doctrine. Consumed with something else than him. They can't see him. You know, some people read this book and never see God. I played religion a long time. I thought I knew God. I thought I'd sing God to, to you, really see him. When you see, when you, if you ever see him, you'll see that your false God is a counterfeit. He's a fake. He's a phony. He has eyes he can't see. He has ears he can't hear. He has feet he can't even walk. That's the God of religion. But it's not the God of this book. He's Lord. He's Lord. And when the... Why can't they see him? Now, now, this could relate to all of us. Why do we come to this book? Do we just come to find a, a proof text to prove what we say we believe? Is that why we come? I hope not. hope we come to see him, to seek him. Most men would like to mold the Bible like a cake of wax to any shape he pleases, and he cannot see the truth because he does not want to see the truth. Our Lord said, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. We would see Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, and they are. They have a nature, and I'll say this again. That divine nature, I don't know all about that. I just know what the Bible says about it. It says he's given unto you a divine nature. It's it's life. It's eternal life. That's what it is. You must be born again. That's the life. That's the pure in heart. They will, they shall see God. See him. See him with the eye of faith. And one day, one day, we'll see him, and we will know him, and we will be like him. Then the next one, blessed are the peacemaker. The Lord does not say here, blessed are the peace lovers. Or blessed are the peace keepers. But blessed are the peacemakers. You know what it says about our Lord? He made peace by the blood of His cross. To help us understand, blessed are the peacemakers, Let us notice what the Old Testament says. After giving the law of the law, Israel was commanded to take up swords and conquer the land of Canaan, destroying the enemies of Jehovah. That's the law. Why would Paul take get papers from the high priest to go to persecute or to kill anybody? That he didn't, that didn't agree with what the God he believed in. That's what the law said. Blas- he's a blas- Paul said I was a blasphemer, and injurious. They're going to destroy. They're not going in there to make peace. He said, "Don't you don't you marry their? Don't you give your daughters to marry their sons, or take their sons to marry your daughters?" Do- it's not. That was not about making peace with those nations. They went in to destroy those nations. That's what the law said. The law said, but our God has given different direction to his church. Throughout the gospel dispensation, we are told to go into all the world, and inherit, tell everybody the gospel, how peace, a man can have, find peace in Christ and come to God. We are what? Peacemakers, and that's not peace at any cost. As much as you can. Now listen to me. As much as you can, live peaceably with all men. There's some people you just can't live peaceably with. You know, when we moved here, you know, most time you don't choose your neighbors. You know, but I can tell we got real good neighbors. She, she's just a jewel, I'm telling you. And her husband, he's passed away now, but he was the same way. But, you know, it would be hard. Every time he come up the road, they'd want to cause trouble, you know, throwing trash out everywhere, or just, or just being a nuisance, you know. Just every time something's missing, they just come up and take what they want, you know. But it would be hard. You know what? You'd have to do one or two. You'd probably just have to leave because you just couldn't deal with it. There's some people that you just can't deal with. But we seek to make peace. I believe it's the nature of a child of God He don't like turmoil. We want peace. We don't like opposition. We want peace. 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 But we're not going to compromise the gospel just for the sake of peace. No, no, no. Blessed are the peacemakers. Someone said this grace of peacemaking supplements. This uh, comes after the six graces mentioned before this one. Someone said perhaps the fact that this is the seventh beatitude indicates that it was our Lord's intent to teach that it is the attitude that gives completeness and wholeness to the Christian character. Somebody's always wanting to just cause trouble. There's something wrong. You know one of the things that God hates? Those that sow discord among the brethren. And if you're sowing discord, you're not making peace. You're sowing discord. You're you're creating enmity between individuals. And in the last one he lists a proud look. And why would someone so discord because they're filled with pride. They think that they're, they're righteous and they, and they think that they make peace. And, and the only way to have peace with those people is to give in to what they want. And when you don't give in, oh, it ain't pretty. It ain't peace now. It's, it's trouble. Trouble. But you know what the gospel does? Everywhere the gospel goes in the power of God's spirit, we go preaching peace. Blessed are those who preach the gospel of peace. We preach peace. We preach how can a man be reconciled to God by the gospel, not by human works, not by merit. That's the only way there's peace. We want there to be peace. You know the way there can be peace? Throw down your weapons of warfare. Bow to Christ. That's how we want people to find peace, and that's where it's found. Not in doing something, not in earning something. Peacemakers. Most people don't know how peace is made. Well, if we just come, we for the sake of peace, you know, we just you're just too dogmatic. I can tell you, when it comes to the gospel, we are dogmatic for sure. We didn't just dogmatic for a, uh, uh, a doctrine. We're dogmatic for a person. Either he's God or he's not. And he makes peace. And if he don't make peace, you sure ain't going to find it. The, the disciples was on that ship that day. And the storm come up. They couldn't calm the storm. They're terrified. He walks out there like a person's soul. They're in turmoil. He walks out there and he said, peace be still. That's the peacemaker, is if he comes to you and he whispers in your ear, everything's okay, peace be still. I can imagine Mephibosheth, when they brought him before David, he has no peace. He's terrified, scared to death, and he ought to be. And David said, he said, why would you look on a dead dog like me? He said, because I made a covenant with your daddy before you was ever born. You know why God chose you peace? He made a covenant with Christ before the world was ever made. He's the prince of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, don't we love having peace? Seems like everybody now, everybody. Everybody's just mad, ain't he? I was somewhere the other day and I guess I, I wasn't wasn't going as fast as I guess the guy behind me thought I ought to be going, and he he come within that close of just he just went out and just cut right in front of me. And you know the first thing comes to your mind, but you know you go why why would somebody do that? Why would somebody risk their life and, and risk somebody else's life? They don't, oh just mad, no peace. There's no peace, saith the Lord to the wicked. Men go out saying peace, peace where there is. No peace. There'll never be peace that way. Never. Never. You imagine living and dying and never knowing peace. That's awful. Peace. Someone said the peacemaking here in our text primarily has reference to those who are instruments in God's hands for the purpose of reconciling those to himself. We are ambassadors for God. As though God did beseech you by us, be ye reconciled to God. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know, we have ambassadors for this country. But the first thing you do before you declare war on another country is you call your ambassadors home. But the ambassadors are over there representing this country Try to make peace, and to keep peace with this country, peacemakers. But when peace won't work, he said, okay, that's right. Even under the law, he said, we're going to go march around the walls of Jericho, and everybody in there is going to die except for one family, and that's have the harlot, because God gave her faith to believe. They didn't go in there, and what they would do later on in the New, Old Testament, you remember when they would gather around the city? They would besiege it, and when you besiege a city, you cut off the water and all the supplies, and people just starve out. And they said what they would do is they would offer them conditions of peace. You know how those people in in Jericho could have been saved? I give up. I give up. I I, I know why you came. I want peace. Please don't kill me or my family. That's what Rahab did. She said, would you spare my family? Didn't she? She begged for mercy. And He said, "You, you hang this scarlet thread out this window. And if you stay in this room, you'll be safe. There's only one safe place. That's in Christ. She's not afraid. Everybody else is terrified. Nobody else has peace. What's them people doing? They're just marching around the wall. One time a day, blowing a trumpet. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> carrying the ark. You know what that is? A picture of preaching the gospel. Four priests carrying it. Come back to the camp and they do it again the next day. The next day. Don't you know it's driving them people crazy? But he said on the seventh day It's different. When you blast that horn, when you blow that gospel trumpet, them walls were coming down. And they did. It says if they was conditions of peace, they'd say, yeah, we surrender. We're throwing down our weapons. Please don't kill us. Have mercy on us. And it's your Mercy. Mercy. The miracle of grace which has made peace with God. We look at other men who don't have peace. And we want them to have peace. Why won't you just, why won't you bow down? Why won't you just slow down? Someone used to say, it's like you've got your shotgun pointed at God. And say, you ain't telling me what to do. Well, you'll never have peace. You can't make peace. That conscience is not going to stop. Peace. Calmness. For the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Now this is the wisdom. Now there's the wisdom of the world. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then secondly, it's peaceable, gentle, and easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Peace. And peace is never to be sought, never to be sought at the expense of righteousness. We have peace. We live in a country where, as still of yet, we're still free. But that free cost something. I mean, that freedom costs something. They didn't just say, okay, you, you bombed our uh, Pearl Harbor, and we're going to sit back and just take it. No, when things were over and things were done, they had a wished. They they basically said the Chinese said, We won't surrender under any conditions. And we dropped two bombs. How horrible that is. But you know what they did? I surrender. No more fighting. The battle's over. He won the battle. He gives peace. Love, joy, peace, peace. You know, God help us to be peacemakers. If the blessed are the peacemakers, what would be the other side of that? Cursed would be the peace breakers. It says in Ephesians 4, 13, endeavoring. To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, endeavoring to do all we can, all we can to make peace. If you think your brother has all against you, you know what you do? You go talk to him. Can we not talk about this? If we can't talk, there's no way of reconciliation. If I offended you, I don't know it. If I have you come to me and say, Well, you offended well, me, I'm so sorry. Let's, let's see how we can be reconciled. Let's show mercy and some grace. <sighs> God's preachers are messengers of peace peace how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things the gospel peace god how can that, we were at enmity against god we were at odds with god you know, we, we can't come into God's presence because we're so full of sin. But how can a sinful man and a holy God be reconciled? Christ made peace. The God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood. And by doing that, he made peace through the blood of his cross. That's sufficient. And now dead sinners that he gives life can approach a holy God. And not be afraid," he said. "You come boldly to the throne of grace. That's not coming cocky. That's coming because we have a right to come. I don't have. To, that's horrible to live in. That God, you know, thinking that God's angry with you all the time. There's no peace like that. I've been in situations, and I try not to be too personal at times, but I guess sometimes it just comes out. I love my father to death, but sometimes I dread to see him come home. Just That ain't no peace, you know. It's peace as long as you just keep your mouth shut and do what you're told. Everything's fine. Christ made peace. That's the price. That's the price. And they shall be called the children of God. You let that sink in just for a minute. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. This is proof that these beatitudes are not the virtues of the natural man, but rather the spiritual graces of those who are regenerated. Simple and plain. They are children of God. They're not a, he said, our Lord said, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, but not you. You that are born again are children. Think about that. Children of God. We don't have to live in fear anymore. We can come to him. We do come mourning over our sins and say, God, forgive me. I just messed that up royally, and I have no peace. And He said, I've put away your sin. Go and sin no more. It's okay. It's okay. How is a person made a child of God? As he told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. It must be renewed in the image and likeness of God. The word called here, they shall be called the children of God, means to acknowledge. He acknowledges them. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Brethren. He said, these are are my children. In Psalms 23, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. They're his children. You know what he does with his children? He teaches his children. And he never stops teaching his children. And those who are not... They never know what it is to mourn. They never know what peace is. They never know what it is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. They just don't know. But if you're a child of God, you do know. And you're blessed. (laughs) And we'll pick up our next.